Konbanwa, all you Psycho Gore boys and Psycho Gore girls, and welcome to another episode of Over the Horizon, where I like to shout into the void about all things relating to the horror genre. I am, of course, your mysterious host, and we're going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, I did a whole marathon to watch one very specific genre of horror films, and uh, I ended up, something else ended up sneaking in. And it doesn't really have anything to do that much with uh, tonight's episode, but uh, it just really jumped out at me, and I just want to put a little spotlight on it. So before we get into the main, you know, meat and potatoes of tonight, I'm, I'm just going to go right into a review of this movie called Mika Droid, Robokill Beneath Disco Club Layla, released in 1991, directed by Tomomo Haraguchi. Now, this is a very, very, it's a pretty short film. Uh, it's only about, it's only a little over an hour, uh, but I watched it and it was, I mean, it was probably to me one of the most, it should be considered one of the most prolific slasher films of all time. I mean, I know that's a very, that's a big uh, claim, you know, because there's been so many big slasher films, but it blows my mind how I never heard about this and just how it it's not that popular at all. Like I, it, very little people seem to know about this film. So Mika Droid, let's just get right into the story. Uh, it starts off with this kind of, um, you know, this text prologue where it tells you about this secret super soldier, um, the secret so super soldier program that was going on in Japan during World War II. And it talks about how at the end of the war, uh, it was basically abandoned and soldiers were sent in to destroy all the evidence. And so we get to see what happens where, you know, we have this black and white intro and it's really, it's done really well. It reminds me a lot of, um, the old universal horror films. It's, it's, uh, and, but beyond that too, it has this kind of like weird slideshow thing going on where whenever we see someone's face and they're talking, it's just a still of their face in a very, you know, dramatic, it's, it's very strange, but it's very artfully done. I've never seen it done before. It's amazing. Anyways, uh, so we get to see these soldiers coming into this compound, this underground bunker, and they're just basically destroying all these experiments. It's all these experiments that, uh, you know, these scientists have been working on. And uh, three of them, the experiments, are these three super soldiers. And so one scientist, he's able to escape the chaos and get to his lab so he can release two of these super soldiers. And, you know, these are just average-looking guys. They were all chained up, but when he releases them, they just look like normal guys, and they run off, they climb up a... Uh, you know, uh, shoot, and they get into the city, and they escape, but when he goes to get to the third guy, and this third guy, he's a little farther along in his experimentations, this third super soldier is encased in this just really clunky robotic suit, you know, and this is World War II times, and it looks like this robot could have been made in World War II time, it's very clunky, and very, uh, you know, you, you'd be surprised to learn there was a man encased in there, but, you know, what ends up happening is before, before he can, uh, you know, free his last experiment, uh, the bombs drop, you know, the, 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 the nuclear bombs from the end of World War II, and uh, they destroy the bunker. It gets buried down belief, uh, you know, the city, and it's, uh, you know, we think it's forget forgotten about. Flash, flash forward to the, you know, the modern era of uh, 1991, and uh, this bunker, a disco, you know, this dance club has been built over atop this bunker, unbeknownst to the general populace, you know. And what ends up happening is... Uh, some sort of, uh, you know, electricity, I don't know what it is, some, 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 some shifting around of the wreckage underneath the desco into the bunker conducts a little jolt of electricity and it 
it hits this robot, you know, this robot super soldier who's been down there all these years, and he comes back to life, and he starts making his way back up to the surface. Um, it's very menacing. Uh, once this happens, uh, we do get to see that his two other super soldier friends are still alive and well in the modern era, and, uh, you know, basically, we they haven't aged at all, and uh, one of them, he he just kind of gets this inkling that, you know, it happens, and, you know, the, 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 the robot brethren is kind of awakened. And so he gathers his other guy and they gather all their guns and they head over to the disco to, you know, to, you know, what you pretty much just guess is, you know, to take out the robot, uh, the robot friend. Um, And anyways, uh, so, you know, this robot's making his way slowly up to the disco through the bunker. And this is where a bunch of uh, young people, this is about the time where they're about to leave and they get stuck in this garage with this psycho robot as it comes in. And it's just this most menacing, he's the most menacing slasher I've ever seen in a film. I mean, you know, again, you know, I'm over-exaggerating because I'm excited because I've seen the movie. But, I mean, really, this guy could be going toe-to-toe with uh, Michael Myers or uh, Leatherface or, you know, any of those guys. This guy is this menacing robot. And instead of having a knife or a chainsaw even, he has automatic weaponry. And he just comes in slow as all hell because, again, he's just this clunky you know, World War II robot, he just slowly just, you know, stalks these people and he just starts taking them out with this, you know, machine gun and he has an officer sword, like a samurai sword, and it's just bloody, but it's interesting and it's just, he he's he's just stalking these young people. And uh, right before he gets to the final two, this electrician and this uh, kind of yuppie chick who's having a good time with the disco, uh, the super soldiers show up and they start fighting them, fighting them off. You know, they start fighting the robot off. And it becomes this full-on, you know, full-on warfare in this parking garage. And with nowhere to escape but down, these two final kids, they uh, go down into the bunker. And they start making their way from the garage under the disco down into this bunker. And it's just such a great little journey they take because they're going down into this bunker. And it's just the music becomes more and more ethereal. And it feels like they're going into this, you know this different world, this bygone era as they pass all this, uh, you know, all these experimental weapons and, uh, you know, body parts on the ground. And it's just, you know, it's very creepy and very just otherworldly as, you know, this, this very, uh, this very creepy music is playing and behind them, they constantly hear this robot still coming towards them and they're just trying to make their escape, but all they're doing is going down and down and they just hear warfare behind them, just guns and, Oh, it's just amazing. Eventually, they get um, about as far as they can go to the chamber where the robot, you know, laid all those years. And one of the super soldiers meets up with them and they tell them their story. Basically, these three super soldiers, the the two that still look like a man and the one that's a robot, they were Olympiads back in the uh, back in the pre-war times. And, you know, that was their dream was to be, uh, you know, going to the Olympics. But once the war broke out, uh, you know, they volunteered for the uh, super soldier program. And uh, it's just really cool because you get this like, you know, this real sense of regret from the two uh, regular super soldiers. You know, they talk about how they don't like to live anymore. They don't want to live anymore and uh, how immortality has just been this terrible thing for them. And but mostly just, you know, kind of this uh, the sadness for their friend. You know, they've been trying to kill this robot, but, you know, they know deep down like this their friend's still underneath there, you know, he's just basically encased in the shell, 
and it's it's just really heartwarming. You know, this is a very he's a very goofy goofy looking robot. He's a very goofy looking, you know, slasher. But you do you do start feeling this sense of sadness for him. You know, as he kind of like futilely continues to fight and kill. You know, as you know, he can't accept that the war is over, or he's angry that the war is over, or maybe he's just being uh, mind controlled because he's in the robot suit. You just don't know. And it's I, I really like that. It's just a very good. It's just a very good story for a slasher villain, and um, I don't know. I just really liked it. And uh, again, I'm not some um expert on like how Japan feels about what happened after World War II, but you know, war is. I mean, I've said in past episodes, war is a terrible thing, and you know, just this. I don't know, just this idea of you know, uh, these super soldiers feeling like regret, and uh, this robot soldier continuing to fight on after the war is over, which did happen in in some cases. There was japanese imperial soldiers who continued to fight after the war was over long after the war was over and i uh, just i don't know just using that as a whole like a, as a framing device device for this you know robo um slasher it's just so perfect it was it was honestly i i, I again i watched this film for what we're going to talk about later in this episode but it didn't really match but i was really just struck by how good it was it was just a great slasher it's it's pretty short but I really do believe it should just be up there with um, some of the greats. This was a great film. Uh, and, you know, you don't expect such a heartfelt, interesting story from something called Robokill beneath, beneath Disco Club Layla. But that's what I got. And, uh, you know, I just really wanted to just start off the episode with that because that was really, you know, it was just cool. It was cool when you... um. You know, I, I really like these kind of weird, obscure films, foreign films, not just Japanese films. Like, I, I watch all these kinds of films. And when you happen to find something just, like, you know, special like that and, you know, something that you just feel really, uh, you know, just a surprise connection with, it's, it's just really, it's, it's really what, it, to me, it's really what film is all about and horror films and especially these weird, obscure films. You know, I, I again, I like, I love, I feel like I'm a treasure hunter sometimes and I find something like that and it's just, it's just, it's again, it's just a treasure. So, yeah, before we started this episode off, I just wanted to put a spotlight on that film because, uh, again, it's a treasure. And it's um, you can watch it on YouTube. It's uh, it's just someone posted it on YouTube, and I do not know the legality to that. But you can just watch it on YouTube. If you look up Mika Droid Robokill Beneath Disco Club Layla, it's still there as of the recording of this. Go watch it. It's a surprisingly great slasher flick. And, uh, again, I feel like... <laughs> this should just be considered one of the greats, you know? So yeah, go watch it. Now, moving on to what this episode is actually going to be about. Um, I only watched that film because it was uh, listed under tokusatsu, which technically it is, but I would probably consider it more of a slasher than anything. But um, yeah, I was watching tokusatsu films because of a little number that got released recently called Psycho Goreman. And, you know, anyone who's in the horror zeitgeist is kind of aware of Psycho Goreman. It's this, uh, the trailer, you know, when it first blipped on my radar, you watch it and, um, you know, you wouldn't be mistaken if you got a little bit of, um, if you watch Power Rangers growing up, you wouldn't be mistaken if you kind of got that because it's, it takes, um, this genre, tokusatsu, as like one of its major influences. And, uh, for the uninitiated, tokusatsu is, um, it is a, genre of Japanese media, television, and film that has heavy emphasis on uh, practical effects, fighting, um, usually like superheroes, giant robots, monsters, which Psycho Gorman, you know, ha that Psycho Gorman has all that. And uh, 
I, I was really struck because when I saw the trailer for Psycho Gorman, it looked great. It looked so good. It, it said that it was from the creators of The Void, which was another film, which was um, based off another very specific subgenre of horror, which is, uh, you know, John Carpenter's films. If that's, I guess, if he's just a genre on his own, but, you know, they had a lot of really good special effects. I remember loving that film when I first watched it uh, back in the day. And, you know, you know, they were so brazen and they're like, uh, you know, they're flaunting of their John Carpenter uh, influence that I was like, wow, yeah, Psycho Warman, maybe they'll do that too. Maybe we'll get a lot of that with, um, you know, flaunting of like this tokusatsu. So I was just really excited for it. And, uh, you know, before going into Psycho Warman proper, I was looking for an excuse really to talk about tokusatsu in general. So I was able to collect together a bunch of old tokusatsu films to watch, and uh, yeah, we I went went just crazy and just marathon marathoned all of them. And uh, I just wanted to talk about them before getting into Psycho Goreman, um, because yeah, I just really like this genre. And if you've been listening, like my whole this whole show just exists because I want to share the things I like. Because hopefully, people find something they like and get into it, and you know maybe it'll get made more, or, you know, maybe it'll become more popular, uh, you know, so, and, and tokusatsu is probably what I feel the, the most is just not really cared that much about over in the West, and I really wish people liked it more, because I just like it a lot, I mean, I don't know, I just really like it, um, maybe some people wouldn't consider it horror, but, like, there's lots of monsters, and a lot of cases it has lots of gore, especially the films I found, so I, I definitely think it can count, I mean, there's a lot of films that are called horror over here, that aren't really horror films, but like, I mean, with the amount of just monsters and stuff and these kind of films, I, I definitely think it counts at least some of them. I mean, you know, Godzilla, I love Godzilla, which is technically, you know, is tokusatsu. So if Godzilla counts, I think these films should count. Um, and, uh, again, just one little last, uh, little, uh, rant, I guess, before we go into this, um, I do know that, uh, some of these films, like, uh, what we talking about do have long, history behind them that are part of a big franchise but um you don't need to watch there's no prerequisites for any of these films you don't need to you know watch a million common rider episodes or a million hakaida uh episodes like these are just you could watch these they're all standalone films there's no need you might not get some like obscure reference from the 1960s but who cares it's a good film on its own um so yeah today we're gonna be talking about uh, shin common rider prologue mechanical violator hakaider Zyram, Zyram 2, and uh, finally we'll talk about Psycho Goreman. Um, so moving right along, this is a lot of reviews for one episode, so we're moving right along, we're going to go to Shin Kamen Rider Prologue from 1992, directed by Makoto Suji. Now this is a very, if you're coming into this and you just want to watch kind of the, uh, just a basic superhero origin story kind of deal, just like, you know, the basic superhero story, this is a really good one. This is a very good basic Genshin Common Rider prologue. It's it's very bare bones superhero origin at first glance. Uh, there's a lot of other things going on. Um, you know, you have this character. His name's Shin, and he's a medical test subject. Where his father, who is a doctor, is testing on him ways to make people immune to diseases and eradicate viruses. It's a very lofty goal. He wants to basically just make it so no one ever gets sick again, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he has his partner, who's also working on Shin, who is kind of a mad Herbert West type scientist, because he goes on a lot of rants about how he thinks he's going to, like, 
rise above God with science. And so, you know, you got your dad and this madman testing on you, and that's a stressful enough situation for Shin, but just to really lump on how stressful his situation is, you know, he's living in this, this organization's compound, and he's, you know, being monitored while he sleeps. But every night he has these dreams about killing people. He has these dreams where he's this kind of green mutant monster man. He's going around stalking people and killing them. And that wouldn't be too bad if he didn't wake up and he could see in the newspaper that those same killings that he remembers from his dreams happened. And this leads into a very cool kind of a conspiracy uh, web that he kind of gets wrapped up into because, you know, he starts investigating the organization he works for. And he's wondering, you know, are they evil? Are they corrupt? And, you know, he starts uh, he starts getting stalked kind of by this lady who's a part of this paramilitary group. And he doesn't know, is she, could she, can he trust her? You know, and, you know, he she saved his life. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a tangled web that he uh, weaves. <laughs> and, you know, even, like, his closest friends and his love interests, like, throughout the end, like, you, it's, it's a good mystery. Like, you can't, it was really, it wasn't hard to follow. It was, like, a little convoluted in a cheesy kind of way. But it was, it was very compelling throughout the entire film because you're constantly wondering, who can I trust? Uh, who can Shin trust? Who's actually a good guy? Who's a bad guy? And I, I, I definitely like that a lot. So this movie does have like a really cool kind of mystery story going on that I really I think is, I don't know, it's just really cool mystery. I, I just, it just worked well for me. It just kind of, you know, throughout all the cool special effects and fight scenes, uh, it was a really kind of a compelling story. Uh, speaking of the special effects, this movie's got some great special effects. Um, the gore. There's a, there's a good amount of gore in this film. Uh, just right the first scene of the film, you're not even a minute in, and you're getting this kind of POV shot, uh, you know, that shin scene in his sleep of this kind of monster stalking this lady through the park. And you hear its footsteps, and they're very goopy. It's like they feel like they're covered in slime or something. And, you know, she's she's looks real scared. She turns around, and, of course, he jumps up in the air. She doesn't see anything, but he comes down on her. And, you know, again, not even a minute in, slashes her throat, slashes up her clothes. She falls down dead in the park. You know, she's in her panties and her bra. And it's like, you know, when you, within, within a, if it's not even a minute into the film and there's just a bloody woman in her panties, uh, that's, that's a mark of a good kind of, that's a mark of a good schlocky film. I mean, you know, that for the, what the film's going for, it, it set the tone very well, <laughs> um, you know, and you get a lot of these scenes too, this monster man, uh, this, uh, you know, mutant half grasshopper, half man creature stalking the streets and killing people and it's it's pretty crazy you know because it's it's got that kind of superhero action feel but it's done in a, you know he's not fighting a super villain or a monster he's just killing people and it's pretty cool um i mean if you didn't know this was a superhero film you might guess from the beginning it's a slasher um and that goes and even beyond that just the uh you know the killing and the violence the the transformation into this creature this um shin common rider it's it's pretty terrible, you know. In in the original series, uh, Common Rider is just a kind of a motorcycle guy who is dressed like a grasshopper. But in this film, it, he makes a full-on transformation into this grasshopper mutant creature, and it's pretty disgusting to watch. You know, this isn't Sailor Moon, you know, putting on her cute outfit and becoming a magical girl. This is a horrible henshin where he 
his face is just ripped apart by these mandibles that are underneath his chin and his eyes turn red as they become bug-like and uh the, the even the antennae kind of just skewer his forehead and come out and it's it's a terror seeing you know shin transform into shin common rider is a pretty terrifying thing to watch and I, I like that a lot you know it's got this kind of body horror you know wrapped up in a superhero you know movie uh, so I, I definitely really enjoyed that aspect of it you know I always like when superheroes kind of have to become a monster when they get their superpowers. I think that's something that's really cool. Um, and, you know, it's uh, all this body horror and violence is really good for, you know, the first part of the film. But then you get into the fights. I mean, you know, throughout the film, uh, Shin is being stalked by this really crazy looking guy with no eyebrows. He's just a kind of he seems kind of like a Terminator type. And uh, my suspicions were, you know, revealed to be correct when he, uh, you know, when Shin you know, first turns into Shin Kamen Rider to confront him and this uh, no-eyebrow assassin guy just rips off his face and he's just a cyborg mutant underneath. And the highlight of this, these films, um, or this film specifically, is uh, the, the fights between uh, Shin Kamen Rider and this cyborg assassin. They're really well done, you know. When you see the amount of, like, prosthetics that they're wearing compared to, like, some of the crazy acrobatics they're doing it's amazing and you know they don't they do the the you know regular fighting choreography that's just masterfully done uh you know they have uh, acrobatics as they jump through like rafters they have a uh, you know uh wire stunts and then even up close you get these practical effects as they're ripping into each other's bodies and you know they're just tearing each other apart and you even get like a close-up of like shin common writers like healing factor as it kind of like you know is the cuts on his body kind of just close up it's extremely well done and i think even for like a, a modern superhero films it gives it kind of a run for their money it's it's a great just little superhero romp um like most of these films it's kind of cheesy and it kind of feels like it was made for tv but i mean if you're a fan of the genre uh, you should just be used to it and if you want to be a fan of the genre you should just be used to it you know these films you know a lot of films outside of america uh even the really extraordinary ones it's kind of evident they don't have that hollywood money sometimes so but if you can get past that this this film is amazing i really liked it out of every um you know uh superhero tokusatsu movie i've seen i think this one you know specifically about superheroes this one might be my favorite it was it was really well done and again fantastic story fantastic effects uh fantastic action so yes uh, shin kamen rider prologue that's a watch for me. Now, say maybe you're not too much into the idea of, you know, maybe you're not into superheroes. Maybe you're like an edgelord. Maybe you want to watch a anti-hero, you know? Well, I got the perfect thing for you. You got Mechanical Violator Hakaider from 1995, directed by Akita Amamiya. Uh, this is a story about a supervillain uh, named Hakaider. And Hakaider is traditionally the villain in Hakaider media. He's kind of the revi the the rival to the main character Kikaider. So this is definitely this this film was made as kind of a, from the perspective of a villain, which is really cool. I don't I don't know, you don't get that a lot. So it's it's cool to see it from his perspective. Uh, essentially he's been sealed away in this kind of uh, you know, dilapidated building when these Mad Max kind of raiders come in and uh, find him, unchain him and he immediately just goes on a killing spree, you know. Kikaider just beat these guys up. Like this guy is not called the mechanical violator for nothing. He messes these dudes uh, so anyway, our, uh, black clad hero, he, um, you know, he, he wakes up and he's unchained and he goes out into the world and he discovers that while he's gone, all the good guys have won and they've, uh, created this kind of theocratic dictatorship, which is, is very interesting. You know, you have this 
post-apocalyptic theocratic dictatorship where everyone is kind of subject to this uh dictator who like you know dresses himself as an angel and you know he has this angel robot named michael who like enforces all of his laws and it's it's very interesting you know because again it's from the perspective of a villain and you know in in his absence all these years um you know he uh he sees that these the superheroes have taken over and they've made this kind of you know again like a dictatorship it's really interesting you know the idea that you know without the supervillain to keep you in check you know the superhero just kind of loses control and goes uh you know power mad so i i like that idea a lot and you know he joins up with this kind of a uh, rebel group um it's you know go, trying to destroy the government it's very uh, final fantasy 7 and some of these parts of this film and uh you know again he just he go, he's going up against the government he's killing a bunch of people um that the, the premise is really cool but this this you know the story is kind of simple but uh <laughs> um yeah no it's it's really cool because you know he's the villain and he's going up against this um again theocratic dictatorship made by superhero and it's it's cool because it's kind of showing how like as the villain and as him going up against the you know what is in place like what government is in place he's like saying that basically he's for free will and i really like this idea that he, as a super villain as an anti-hero he's kind of for free will over you know you know free will and you know you know but not you know because these uh the heroes trying to like you know subject you but you know for safety reasons but you know you're again not free where the villain is very much just like about free will my favorite uh scene in the whole movie is this uh this super soldier is fighting him and he's begging Hakaider to spare him and uh he says you know i'm i was only following orders you know don't kill me and hakaider says if you have no will of your own there's no reason for you to live and just flat out lays the dude out and it's like wow that's probably the best ex like that's the best um response i've ever heard to that excuse of i was just following orders you know there's no reason for you to live you don't have free will i don't know this is like as far as one-liners go this is really good um production wise this film is amazing um because the majority of this film is action uh the the first part of this film like as soon as hakaider wakes up he goes on this motorcycle rampage like right at the very beginning of the movie turns into his robot form and he just is it, there's some really good stunt work in here with like the motorcycles he's like dragging people behind his motorcycle he's um he's uh you know making people jump off their motorcycle it's a really cool little chasing through jesus town <laughs> and uh it's really cool too because all the uh the villains, you know, are dressed in white. Like, I really like the colors they use in this film, you know, because all the, all the citizens and normal people, they're all wearing white and all the government's wearing white. And, you know, the, the main bad guy, Michael, who's this, you know, angelic robot, he's all white and the dictator's white. It's, it's really cool. Like, the, all the bad guys are white. And, um, you know, Hakaider and his rebel group, they're all dressed in black. And, uh, I really like that too. It's just, it's just really interesting, like color motif because of, I mean, obviously it's, it's not that clever, but like, it's not clever, but it's, it's done really well. I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the execution, not the idea sometimes. Come on. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I re I really dig it. And I think it's the, the culmination, all of it is the, the final like fight scene in the movie, this final fight scene. It's this kind of like, uh, they're in this, uh, big room. It's a big white room. It looks very classical and it's like the government building and, you know, Hakaider's in his black clad, you know, robot armor. And, you know, you have Michael and he's just like an angelic, you know, w you know, this angelic marble kind of porcelain kind of robot looking thing. And they're fighting in this white parliament room that represents like the government. It's where the dictator spends most of his time. And as they're fighting each other, like the, the walls and the pillars break and you see all this like piping and electronics and it's all red inside. So it's really interesting. It's, it's, you know, storytelling through a fight, you know. 
you know, as they fight, they, they reveal that this this pristine, you know, whiteness is just you know concealing this ugly, red, rotting, bloody, you know, violence. It's it's really cool, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's just it's just a, it's a pretty great action little action flick. It's uh, this one definitely definitely though does have the most uh direct to home video feel um it's very there's times where you can tell that they just filmed this like on the street and it kind of clashes with uh the more futuristic setting it's it's not super evident at times but sometimes it's pretty evident so it's a it's a mixed bag this definitely has the most uh you know made for tv direct to laser disc feel so uh you know again sometimes that's just something that they get used to when you're uh you know you get into this genre i mean sometimes it's unacceptable i don't think it's completely unacceptable in this case it's it's pretty all right again yeah so i think it's you know it's a decent film mechanical violator hakaider uh yeah if you want to watch a tokusatsu film about a extremely violent mechanical violator um i don't know from the perspective of a supervillain yeah this is, this is a good film this is definitely a watch i would say this is a watch now, say say you're not too much into heroes, you're not too much into villains, say you just like kind of the special effects aspects of things, you know, maybe you just want a good story that happens to have lots of special effects. Well, I found a little gem. This was a, this was a gem while I was watching these films, and it was, it was such a good movie, I ended up immediately watching its sequel. I'm talking about Zyram from 1991, directed by Kita Amamiya again, you know, so it's, it, this is probably a better representation of what he's capable of because this was an amazing movie. So I'm just going to guess Hikaider, he had a crappy budget or something. Uh, this story is so, it's such a good concept. It's kind of complicated to explain, but it basically what's happening, an alien, an evil alien escapes some sort of a prison planet or, you know, some, you know, like a prison planet or something. And he's making his way towards earth. And, uh, what happens is a bounty hunter from space, like an intergalactic bounty hunter, uh, she's waiting down on earth for him to land. And before he lands, she, um, makes it so that when he enters the atmosphere, he goes into an alternate dimension of earth. So it's a dimension where no one exists. So, you know, just kind of a place where she can, uh, fight him without worrying about collateral damage, which is a pretty interesting idea. Uh, and so what ends up happening is these two characters, and I mean, they are characters, Tepe and Kamiya, they end up investigating her little setup, her little um, intergalactic alien outpost she illegally set up because she's stealing electricity from the power grid. And you know these just two these two guys are just goofballs. I I love these guys. They're so funny. They show up and they're wearing their company's outfit, which is this like ridiculous pastel, you know, get up. And they you know they're walking around her alien stuff and they're thinking about leaving a note when they accidentally get transported to this other dimension. And what ends up happening is they get trapped in this dimension as the alien lands on Earth in that dimension that they're trapped in. And what ends up, <laughs> what, what, so these two, these two mooks, these two goofballs, they end up having to take command, uh, they have to take um, commands over radio of this intergalactic bounty hunter as she tries to explain to them how to defeat this alien threat. And gosh darn, this movie is just. This movie's up there with Ghostbusters and Young Frankenstein. is just one of the funniest like horror comedies I've ever seen. I really liked it, you know. More than anything, it's the, it's the characters. Tepe and Kamiya, they are such perfect foils to each other. They're very just, they're like just so good together. Uh, Tepe is this kind of younger guy, and he's a little bit more level-headed than Kamiya, but he's kind of also an airhead, where um, Kamiya is this very erratic older man 
but he's a lot more capable than Tepe, it seems at times. And it's, it's just, it's just their back and forth is just so funny. It's just like, it's such an endearing relationship in a film. And I, I feel like sometimes you don't get that as much, you know, and that's something this film does really well is its characters. The characters are really good because, you know, Tepe and Kamiya has this very great friendship. And I love when just regular platonic friendship more than romance is shown in a film because, you know, romance, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's kind of overdone, but like, you know, platonic friendship is such a cool thing to show in film and, and they do it so well in this movie you know these guys and it's it's cool because these guys wouldn't really um normally hang out outside of work but because they're like you know working at the same company they end up being friends and they're you know it's just i don't know i just like that a lot and along with them uh iria who's this um she's the bounty hunter oh she's the most kick-ass she's like i don't know just everything about her character is just super cool um, you know, intergalactic bounty hunting is probably the coolest fictional job in the world. I mean, you got Boba Fett, you got Samus, you got um, Spike. It's just, you know, so just by association, she's going to be cool. But she's generally just like a really cool character. But she's not, um, she's not like overly like badass, I guess. She doesn't like act tough. I think that's something it's like it's a very fine line people have to do with their characters. Like sometimes you want your character to be super cool and they end up being tough guys or something, but then they end up just being jerks where she's just very much like she's in control of the situation. She doesn't act erratic. She's just a very well-written character. Both all three of these characters are very well-written. And then, you know, the, the fourth guy is a Bob, who's this robot who's um, like, or he's like more of a computer and he's kind of their, uh, you know, advisor and stuff. And he tells them all the technical stuff. He's, he's good too. But yeah, it's a very, it's very good, well-written campy horror comedy. And it's just, you know, these two characters, Tepe and Kamiya, they're trying to figure out a way to defeat this, like, intergalactic <laughs> fugitive. It's just, oh, it's just great. I, I really, I, this movie was a joy to watch. I really liked it. And I haven't even gone into the production yet. You know, that's how you know it's a good film. You know, it's a tokusatsu film. And I didn't even talk about the effects and stuff. And the effects are great, too. The effects are amazing. It, it's, it's got some amazing, uh, I mean, first off, we'll talk about Zyram. Zyram is the titular villain of this, uh, this film. And it's, a just it's messed up looking. It's like a HR Geiger kind of creature. And it's just, uh, you know, has this, uh, weird face. It's like a little small face that's like on top of its hat. That's not his real face. It's really hard to explain, but it's really unnerving. It's very, it's, it, I mean, it's terrifying. It's this little white face. And it makes these little baby noises. It's very like, it's very like, I don't know. It's, um, it feels like a baby thing. I don't know. It's just creepy. It's hard to explain, but you know, basically just burst out of this, uh, you know, of the alien and just attack things like a xenomorphs in her mouth. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I'm finding it really hard to explain this alien for some reason, but you know, it's, 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 it's pretty messed up and it's, it makes the film, it's very threatening throughout the film, especially when, you know, it's <laughs> hunting down Tepe and Kamiya. Uh, that being said, though, it's also got this, uh, you know, when, when, when finally Iria gets in there and she gets to fight this alien, she's she's got some great moves. You know, this film has some amazing uh, action. The action, the fights in this movie is really good. Um, the, the, there's a, it's, you know, it uses a mixture of um, martial arts, you know, it's got the um, wire stunts, it's got... Uh, pyrotechnics and there's you know also like shootouts and there's also these like special little traps that she uses to booby trap the creature uh and it's just i don't know the fight scenes are really cool in this and it's just the whole concept of her being like a bounty hunter trying to trap the creature rather than just you know be a superhero fighting it is pretty evident throughout so i i, I like that again you know when you use 
when fighting isn't just fighting for the sake of fighting, when fighting actually has like um when they think about it like oh how would a bounty hunter fight an alien fugitive? It's 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 really good. I, I like that a lot. And um you know again and she's not over, neither one of them's overpowered. Sometimes one has the upper hand, sometimes the other. They're really good fight scenes. Uh and this is the setting too. I mean, in a lot of these Tokusatsu films, uh you get this point where, you know, the characters are all fighting and it's just abandoned streets and abandoned uh warehouses and it's like where are all the people and so just the idea that you know they're in an alternate dimension you know plot wise is really good but then also like the way they it's, it's like always nighttime there and it's um there's like invisible walls that keep them trapped into a specific quad like squad uh, quadrant i guess of this it's just really cool it, it feels very otherworldly and very um like i don't know not, less like a sci-fi thing and sometimes more of a like a ghost world kind of deal it's very you know this this movie does have kind of a more darker feel inside the you know the zone it's called the alternate dimension so it does kind of that's why i would definitely call it a horror comedy is it does have a kind of a creepy feel um but yeah no it's just a great this this is just such a great film i immediately like i did not hesitate because this i knew this would make the episode longer it was uh i I just watched zyrum 2 and uh zyrum 2 1994 also directed by akita amamiya which, you know, you love when you see the same people working on it and it has the exact same cast. Uh, Zyrum 2, uh, this is definitely one of those movies where I don't know if they expected to make a sequel, but this is definitely one of those sequels from the onset. Like, you know this is, they know this is a sequel. I think the people who made the movie knew that this was just going to be, you know, um, a variation on the theme. They didn't want to go, you know, and do something crazy. They were like, you know, people really like the first film and we're just going to give them what they want, so there's a bit of fan service, you know, there's a, <laughs> like, they're even like, wow, it's been three years since we've all been together. I can't wait for us all to be together again, like over the phone. And then Iria's like, oh, don't worry, that'll be soon. Like she, she could have basically winked at the camera, but you know, it's got that fan service and obviously the ca- contrivances of a sequel where, you know, they defeat, um, spoiler, they defeat Zyram in the first film. Um, but then, you know, all of a sudden there's another Zyram, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe the translation for the subtitles was wrong, but I was led to believe that Zyram was a single thing. But um, I guess there's multiple Zyram in the second film. Uh, again, it could have been a translation thing, but it did feel kind of like a, a convenience. But, you know, it, it's talk, the story talk for itself. So uh, this film definitely, Iria makes more of a, she's more of a, the main character in this one. I would say the first one, um, Tepe and Kamiya are more of the main characters. You know, they're kind of the, fish out of water types where I think in this film I think they knew they wanted more people wanted more of the area action so she's definitely just from the beginning she's doing a lot more fighting um and you get to see a lot more of her job too you know you don't just see her trying to capture one um you know stray alien you see her kind of do some uh you know wheeling and dealing with some other alien uh, villains and I kind of like that too it's kind of like world building in a in a in a way so I I definitely dealt like that too um and, you know, it's, it's cool just, you know, kind of get the intergalactic intrigue. Like, it's the world building is just nice. I, I actually learned that there's, you know, even more uh, Zyram media that I'm probably going to consume after watching this film. You know, I want to learn more about this world. It's very interesting. Uh, but, yeah, seeing her do more of her job. Uh, but she's picked up this other guy. He's her kind of sidekick now because she's she hasn't worked with uh, Tepe and Kamiya for three years, you know, which is exactly the distance between the two movies. You know, she gets this new... Um, guy who's her partner and she even says like oh you're not as good as Tepe and Kamiya and you know he's obviously just kind of a sleazy guy and you kind of figure from the beginning he's gonna betray her uh what she does and you know he uh 
what ends up happening is they, uh, you know, he ends up making a deal go sour. And uh, what ends up happening is, uh, well, they, you know, when they're calling for backup from the bounty hunter guild, they send, it's this part's a little weird to me. They send another Zyram. So she has like a bounty hunter guild. And she asks for backup and they send a android, like a robot cyborg thing. And it has a Zyram inside of it. And I mean, they do explain in the first one that Zyram's a biological weapon, but it's also like, if you if they made such a big deal about killing that first Zyram, why would you make a bounty hunter with this with a second Zyram? I don't know, it's weird. Uh, this Zyram also isn't. I don't think it's as cool looking. It's kind of more of a. It definitely looks more like a robotic kind of supervillain than a crazy HR Geiger monster. But um, there's a lot more fighting in this one. You know, again, Iria definitely has a lot more action-packed stuff happening. So she fights this monster multiple times and. You know, Temp- uh, Tepe and Kamiya kind of just stumble their way uh, ass backwards uh, as they, you know, try to keep, you know, keep up with her. Uh, you know, so the action is definitely amped up. And, uh, you know, again, kind of Tepe and Kamiya take the back seat. But that's not to say that they're they're not in there. They definitely have a little um, side story going on there in the background where uh, <laughs> where um, Tepe is going to get married to this girl. And he's upset Kamiya is not going to be at the wedding. And. Well, when Kamiya gives his reason, it's just so sweet, and it just really drives home how much they care about these characters and how you know they, I, I really like these characters. They're all very good, and even even Iria is just like you know in the first film she's very uh, you know aloof with them and she doesn't really care for them. In this film, she just starts from the get go. She does really like them, and I, I like that. You know, again, it's, it's just fan service, but you know sometimes fan service works, and sometimes it's you know you can shamelessly consume some fan service if you're attached to the characters in the story so I, I i definitely thought that was uh i thought that was good you know i like that um definitely definitely more of a superhero thing than a horror film though like it's uh this one's definitely got lots more fighting the monster's not as scary it's more of a super villain at this time but the fights are great like I, again amazing fights we're giving the use of pyrotechnics the use of um just everything the use of wire stunts the different gadgets and weapons and again it's just like this one has some great fighting and so you know what yeah i kind of did want to see more of iria fighting i only you don't see as much as it in the first film but um so yeah you know again it's fan service but uh it's i like sometimes i like fan service you know so sue me you can you know sometimes things sometimes you can be shameless you can have guilty pleasures okay um and yeah also i love the wide cat even though the Zyram doesn't look as cool. It's really cool to see this kind of wide cast of creatures and aliens. All the aliens look very, uh, I mean, some of them are just people, but they all have like some weird little quirk about them. And it's just, again, world building stuff that I, I really like. And, um, you know, as, as, as far as this movie goes, you know, it, it's very obvious that this movie is just, um, it's very obvious from the get go. They're like, this is the sequel. People just want to see the characters they love and they just want to see another adventure that's similar to the first movie, which is, sometimes that creates a terrible movie sometimes it makes a good movie i feel like this is a good movie i i definitely it's not as good as Zyram, but it's i mean to, it's it's definitely still a great fine follow-up and i would be willing to watch it again um this is definitely yeah i, I this is i mean this is this is what i'm talking about with these you know wanting to make the things you love more popular i watched this again i was just blown away it was just such a good good film and i i it's surprising to see that this isn't some like I'm sure it's a cult classic. I'm sure tons of people love it, but it's like, I, I you know, it, it's definitely not on the level of, you know, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure or other weird things that suddenly become popular years later. So I, I man, I, I really wish people would just like listen to this 
and then Zyram mania would happen and they'd be like oh my god people like Zyram and they'll make new Zyram shows and you know they'll make a new Zyram movie and you know I could finally find online some jacket that has the Takahashi Electrical Company logo on it because that that logo is the coolest and I was so sad that there's like very little merchandise for this film because I just want to wear my love for this franchise on my sleeve like literally I want to wear the jackets they wear in the first film I just love Zyram Zyram's such a good thing so again just like uh Mika Droid just a great little find I love this I love this series and finally, to the man of the hour, or should I say, the Goreman of the hour. <laughs> oh, Psycho Goreman from 2020, directed by Stephen Kostinsky. Um, so this story, uh, the story is, um, you know, this ancient nameless evil from outer space who's just, you know, enslaved tons and tons of people. You know, he's just, he's just this scourge of the universe. The, uh, you know, he's just terrible. He gets, uh, basically, he finally, after, you know, some terrible reign of evil upon outer space, he gets captured and placed in a um, box and put on old Earth here, you know, this backwater planet of ours. And he rests there for a very long time until finally he's found by uh, two little kids who um, basically resurrect him. But because one of the kids, you know, this little girl named Mimi, she is uh, holding on to his gym he has to listen to everything she says and so what ensues is a story about um this alien god essentially this alien just you know monster god who has the ability to just you know do terrible terrible things is being commanded by this little girl and um you know it ends up the aliens who enslaved you know the aliens who captured him and trapped him you know they come back to earth and they try to you know keep him under wraps and everything and try to kill him and yeah, it's a pretty cool idea for a story. But this movie just about broke me, people. This movie, oh my god. I I I don't I don't I have so it's such I had such high hopes for this film. I was so excited for this film. This film was I I mean it just looked amazing. Like like I just did like a 45 minute long rant about Tokusatsu films and how much I love them and how I was so excited for them to possibly be in the zeitgeist because of this film and Jesus this film just let's just start with the characters the characters um so you have Mimi and Mimi is just the most obnoxious little girl in the world and she's just mean to her brother and she's mean to her parents and she's just mean to everyone that's her personality her personality is she's just a jerk to everyone and a bully and she's the main character and it's just really hard to watch this film and really uh, it, 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 there's a um, you know she steals psycho Gorman's little gym and she's able to control him and everything and he keeps threatening to kill her and i really felt like the only thing that kept me going through this film was the idea that he would actually kill her at the end of the movie i was really hoping for that it did not happen uh spoilers um so that just made me miserable. Um, the other person I hate in this movie is the dad. The dad of Mimi and uh, Luke, the two little kids in uh, this film. He's just terrible. And I, I don't understand how he... I don't even understand. He's just like a, a self-hating... I don't even know. A man-child, I guess. I don't know. I just hated him. 
and I know someone's like listening to this and they're like, well, it's a comedy, you know, this film's a horror comedy. It's, it's listed as a horror comedy and these characters aren't supposed to be realistic. Well, if it's a comedy, why isn't it funny? It should be funny if it's, um, a comedy. That's the thing is if you have uh, characters who are supposed to be like in a slapstick comedy and they're not funny, they just really, most of the time will just end up being kind of mean spirited and irrational and it's just I, I mean i don't know i just i this the movie if this movie's supposed to be funny i don't know what's wrong because i just watched zyram before i watched this movie i watched both zyram films and there was parts where i was audibly laughing nothing in this movie made me laugh it was it made me just I, my stomach hurt while i was watching this like i i know where the jokes were supposed to be and it didn't make me feel like laughing it kind of just hurt me um because they just were not funny and it just made me hate hate this film because I just really felt like I was excited I was just so excited for this film people and it was just it was just such a the story and the characters and the comedy it was just so terrible it was just like it was it was really unbearable for me to watch and I I just something about every character just made me hate them and I, I just don't know man it was just, this was a rough movie there's I, I think the best way to describe what I probably looked like watching this film is there's a part in this film where Psycho Gorman forces a person to never die, but then also experience excruciating pain constantly. And his eyes begin to roll back into his head, and they roll back up from the bottom of his skull. And it's just this, I, I imagine I probably looked like that at some points during this film. And that's the worst thing about this film. The worst thing about this film is as terrible as the comedy is, and as terrible as the characters are, and as unbearable as it is to watch this film when there's just you know just you have to listen to Mimi or her dad or anything you know it's just this movie has such amazing effects this movie has the best special effects I've seen in so long oh my god the monsters are so cool everything like you know there's just just constantly just cool stuff on screen you know like there's just these monsters that are made of brains there's these aliens and they're all in their oh my god and some of them are just like goofy and campy some of them are just gory and disgusting Oh my god, the monsters are so good. It's just like amazing how great these monsters are. And uh yeah, I just love them in the worlds too. They really did feel like these um they weren't um like CGI like you could see like the practical influence and it's just it was campy and fun and it had that kind of like, you know, it was kind of like death metal meets Power Rangers, I guess. It was just so cool. Ah, I loved all the different little planets and stuff in space and oh, that's so cool. And, the fights, oh my god, there's a fight scene between Psycho Goreman and, like, all of his, like, uh, former paladins, um, you know, his little, his mooks or whatever, and it's so, it's such a cool fight, because, like, with every character he kills, you get, like, backstory about them, it's so cool, like, there's one character who's, like, made of gravestones, and they're, they're, they're throwing gravestones at Psycho Goreman, and he runs up to them and rips them open, pulls out a rose and destroys it and the character just dies in the most gruesome way possible and it's like just again with court you know showing a story through a fight it's so good and you know even even when it's not doing something as nuanced as that it's just amazing and gory and bloody you know and everything it's just the fights are amazing in this film and the gore oh my god the gore is so good in this film it's disgusting this film just lives up to all the cartoonish gore i want to see in some some of these films you know and it's just and I was, you know, it really lived up to how, when I watched The Void, I loved the special effects in The Void and to see them, you know, in daylight, because <laughs> that movie was really dark to see it in daylight, you know, and this film was so good. 
And I loved every inch. I loved everything about every inch of special effect they had in this movie. It was amazing. Everything about that aspect was so good. But everything about everything else made me want to hate this film. I hated every... And I kept hope. Like, the story, the characters. It just came down to the characters. None of them are funny. And they're all so mean-spirited. And it just made me so upset. Because I kept thinking something was going to happen. That was like, you know... I, I felt like Mimi. She needed to get her comeuppance. Uh, but she never did. She never got her comeuppance. She was just a, she was just a bully throughout the film. And, and never did she apologize to her brother. And her, her brother never got a spine to like, you know, I really wanted him to steal the gym and kill his sister or something. Like I wanted him to become like some just crazy, you know, like, oh, after all this abuse, I'm going to, you know, take it out on you. Or I, I wanted the, I, I thought the father was putting on everyone. I thought the father, I, I, that's how bad the comedy is in this movie. I thought one of the characters was trying to joke around with the other characters, but he wasn't. He was just a terrible character throughout. And he was just supposed to be a miserable little character of like a self-hating. I don't know. It, it was just ter- I'm at an impasse, people, because I can't, I can't in good conscience tell you that you shouldn't watch this movie because the effects are just grade A stuff. And I know some people just watch horror films for effects. But also it's like, I, I don't know if I want to like tell people to suffer through these characters. And it's like, also, I can't, I can, like, it's supposed to be a horror comedy. Yeah, I can tell you to go watch, there's tons of better horror comedies, but nothing with these good of effects, you know? And, and it's just, and it's like, and it's just like, you know, like what I said throughout the whole film, like tokusatsu, like the whole thing really for the most part, like the, the effects do take precedence over the story for the most part, but I didn't know it could be done to this extent. I, I straight up was just, <laughs> I don't know. I feel defeated. I just feel defeated because I can't think of a better film. I can't think of a worse film. This movie shows just the perfect mastery of one aspect of their craft with the filmmaker, but just the complete lack of, you know, <laughs> not even like a grasp of another, you know, like the, again, the, the effects were amazing. The comedy was not even like the story was just terrible. I don't know, man. Oy. If I've sounded kind of defeated throughout this entire episode, it's because of this, it's because Psycho Gorman was to me, such a huge disappointment but it's a disappointment you have to watch i don't know man maybe you watch it and you'll just love the comedy um maybe 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 you're someone who doesn't need to see like all the special effects like sometimes i just feel like i watch terrible movies for special effects but never have i watched such a terrible movie for special effects never again will there be a movie i'll probably watch again just to watch some of the special effects it's this is um Maybe maybe this is just one you have to watch with like a bunch of people over and you need to just be really drunk when you watch it. I mean, maybe that's the, the best choice. I, I think maybe that's what I'll have to do when I watch it again. Just use it as a way to gross out my um, friends and family. But just ignore throughout the rest of the film because I can't... It's just, yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyways, let's, let's just, just uh, wrap this baby up. So... Shin Kamen Rider prologue. I watch it. It's a great, um, it's like a real classic, just, uh, this is a real classic superhero film, really, honestly. It's got some body horror and gore, but you know, other than that, it's just, it's right up there with the greats. It's a, it's a great little, in- I'd say it's a great intro to the Kamen Rider, um, 
you know, uh, series too. You know, if you want to get into Common Rider, I, I mean, it'd be a weird starting place, but it's definitely a starting place. And then you have a uh, Mechanical Violator Hakider. Again, I would say watch if you're if you if you like these kind of films. This is a it's a decent one. I liked it a lot, and it's uh you know I was leaving out some of the more um the cool kind of Kakider references in the movie. You know, kind of how uh you know I, I don't know if you watched if you've seen Kakider. If not, a chance that you really do like Kakider. This movie does have some really cool little nods to the series. And again, if you just want to watch something about like a brutal supervillain, you know, going on a rampage, this is a pretty cool one. Uh, Zyram, gosh darn Zyram one and two, what a great little gym i was so happy when i watched those those movies like just i had a smile on my face the whole time i was watching those films oh boy and then psycho gorman just took that smile and ripped it off my maw i mean like again psycho gorman wasted potential like this is the best example of wasted potential i've ever seen like again just it's like 50 percent of it is just awe-inspiring or 50 percent of it is just like miserable uh, go if you're again if you like special effects um and you really feel like you need to watch it you need to see these special effects I, i'm sorry you have to watch this film i really hope there's someone out there who watches this film and really enjoys it i'm sure there is but for me personally and for people who maybe think like me i don't know people like this i don't know same sense of humor this film was just miserable to watch because it was just uh you know i don't know yeah i, I don't know i, I again I, my, my voice begins to drift into uh just zombie-like groans when I talk about this film. So let's just move on. And then, and I did the little bonus, the little bonus review. Mika Droid Robo Kill Beneath Disco Club Layla. Again, like, uh, again, I thought that was gonna be like more of a superhero kind of deal with like the rest of these films, but it, you know, it just popped out of me and it was like, wow, this is this should really be counted as like one of the best slashers of all times. It's got a great story, great villain. It's uh, and again, you know, if you want to watch that one again, I would suggest that right after this, you just uh. You just go on YouTube and look that up. It's a great one to watch. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's our episode for tonight. I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I do have a new microphone. I don't know if it sounds better because I feel like through this entire episode, I just felt uh, I just probably sounded exhausted and tired and upset because of Psycho Goreman. But, you know, at least you got to hear that um, that misery in high fidelity. Uh, this is a, yes, a new microphone. Um, also, um, I'm going to start sharing on Twitter the link to the Spotify um, instead of the RSS, just because I feel like people probably would listen to this more on Spotify than RSS. I honestly, RSS is just a really easy way to post this stuff, but it automatically goes to Spotify. And, you know, that just kind of goes with me kind of trying to consolidate everything on Spotify. I kind of want to see this become more of like, I don't know, I kind of, I guess I always had this kind of like idea of becoming like a radio dj so it's kind of cool that like i can post this show on spotify and then people can also like uh you know listen to the music from the playlist i post which would be that's cool it's gonna be like a little like a you know give you like wolfman um and speaking of that i did add some more music to the playlist so you know listen for that um possible future episodes um you know i feel like you know this was an episode i talked about in one of the earlier episodes so i'm getting better about actually doing the things i say i'm gonna do in the future um so uh i definitely want to get into godzilla and king kong you know that's a big thing happening right now there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in godzilla uh godzilla right now you know there's a new anime coming out and uh you know godzilla versus kong's coming out uh, so definitely want to talk about that because i i mean i love godzilla and uh king kong's right there with him you know i like giant kaiju and monsters and stuff so yeah definitely we'll probably talk about that in the future um 
But, you know, other than that, any other idea that I haven't talked about yet from the previous episodes, that's a possibility, too. Um, and again, if you have suggestions, you know, just, at, you know, send me one on Twitter, um, you know, at the horizon. So that's H-O-R-R-O-R-I-Z-O-N. <laughs> and, you know, if you want to Gmail me, it's uh, over the horizon with a H-O-R-R-O-R-I-Z-O-N, uh, you know, and just, you know, whatever maybe you want to send me some hate mail maybe psycho gorman was like you know your religious experience and i just you know crapped all over it but you know just you know maybe maybe you agree with me maybe then you can start a society of psycho gorman hater club you know i don't know uh but <laughs> but yeah no just again again thank you for listening um you know this, i have a lot of fun doing this show and uh even when i have to watch terrible movies so you know oh yeah sumi masai all you sentai and hentai out there and uh yeah, stay tuned in for uh, next episode.